I'm going to talk about that right now. Okay. Uh, we just had a strange technical difficulty that happened. Our Skype connection just dropped. Uh, and I think it's key, especially when we're going ahead and we're talking about the demonic influences on suicide. Uh, so right now, I just want to pray against it. And I want to pray over, the, uh, over every single listener, male or female, who's struggling right now hearing voices. Just enter into this prayer with me. Joe and I are going to pray on your behalf a covering. Father God, we thank you for each and every listener right now. Father, we don't know what just happened, but we know you know. And we know that we were speaking about the demonic enemy's tactics. And we believe he was threatened and dropped the call. But we're persisting, believing that you have a purpose for those individuals who are listening, who, who can identify with what's going on. Father, I break those voices. I break the curses they've said. You do not have authority here. As a matter of fact, we strip you of your false authority and tell you you must leave these people alone. We set angels around. And for anyone who's not a believer to believe in you because those voices will come back worse than before. So I rebuke them. And I ask everyone who's not a believer to pursue Jesus into the truth of relationship with him. Do not think you will get off scot-free, but come into alignment with Jesus, develop an intimacy and a relationship because he loves you that much. In Jesus' name. I'm not sure where my last... Go ahead. I want to add in the fact, the, the fact that there's going to be, and I'm going to leave it in there because I want people to, to, to understand this. There's a section of there that's probably un, un, um, distinguishable. Like you can't, you're not going to be able to hear you. You cut out hard during that prayer. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Listeners, bear with us. This this had not happened in any other episode that has been like this. You know, we had technical difficulties and then they were done once we got them settled. So I would not encourage to the nigh 45 minutes worth of technical difficulties that we had getting set up for yes. this episode. Mm -hmm. it, like like Edgar said, we don't we've had some issues, not not to this degree. So yes. Ah, it, the voices, they're a real thing. The thing is they could be disguised to sound like us, like our own thoughts. And in our own naivete, we can accept them and listen to them. Some people even befriend them. Well, one night when I was 21 years old at a small group, which is like a Bible study in churches, I was in the bathroom and I heard the voices tell me take pills. And I was at a difficult point in my life. I wasn't making much money. It was hard to know where I was going in life. Things were just really bad. Um, I don't recall. I think at that point I had broken up with my fiance, uh, which was a big ordeal then. And um, I remember taking like 
they were some pain reliever, but it was practically whatever was in that bottle. And when I came out of that room, people were praying for each other. And one guy comes up, he says, I want to pray for you because I believe you're hearing voices. <laughs> and I remember I said to him, why didn't you tell me earlier? And I was taken to the hospital and had my stomach pump. And the deception was so, I want to say broken, but it was so clear that it was a deception that I didn't want any part of it again. I had wound up being released from the hospital, and I was fine after that. Um, not that anything in the mind got worked out. You know, life was still hard. And maybe it's important for people to realize that life is still hard. It doesn't magically get better. But I remember also when, I'm going to say near 40s, I was struggling with um, suicidal thoughts. And I had children that were, who needed me. Uh, my youngest was probably, I'm going to say about 10 then. Now he's 20, going on 21 next month. But there were points where I just literally went through my mind the steps that I was going to do to go take my life. Uh, and there was a lot of things going wrong. And the enemy clearly did not want me to, do, to, to live. Clearly did not want me to live. But I didn't have enough intimacy with Jesus to understand this this tactic. Now, what happened was I would either get so frustrated or tired I would go to bed. One time my children started arguing and while I'm in the almost probably the closest point I was to getting in the car and doing something, um, they got into an argument and I had to break it up and I yelled and I was upset with them and everything. But I remembered afterwards that if they had not gotten that upset, I would have still been carrying on that thought. And I, that might have been the night that would have been my last. I never told anyone this. So um, <clears throat> actually, I may have told one person, maybe two. But it's not. I, I've not even shared it with my wife. So she'll be hearing this <laughs> a little later. Yeah. Um, but I struggled. We, we were at a very difficult point in our lives. We were. We were. And... It seemed like nothing I could do was right. So a lot of listeners are probably going to be able to relate that. You know, married, having issues, everything's going wrong. You know, and then the one thing that, that stopped it was that God overrode the situation. And somehow, for me, it was successful. I'm not going to say it was for any impetus on my part, but I am a merciful God. And I understand his mercies. And he was able to stop that. Uh, now I look at the things that started to come out of there. I started getting a lot of the things that were bothering me resolved. And it comes from a dysfunctional family. It comes from not being able to connect with God or not being having good teaching that tells you how to listen to God. Uh, but after that point in my life, my marriage got better. It's now been the best it's ever been. You know, my children are wonderful. They were always wonderful, but I wasn't able to enjoy them like I should have because of my own hangups. Uh, 
And then, you know, other things fell into place. And it sounds like I'm saying it's all going to work out. It doesn't work itself out. God, through you, works it out. That's why the Holy Spirit is known as a comforter, as a teacher. And Jesus spent three hours in the morning praying, communicating, communing with God for a reason. Because it does something. And as you develop that intimacy and that identity as a son, and women, I would say your sons as well. And the reason I say this is not because gender issue. Sons means first. You are sons of God. You are first. Adam was first. Eve was second. But you are sons first. And so that you understand the equality of the statement, men and women are known as the bride of Christ. It's not bridegroom and bride of Christ. It's bride of Christ. So there is a second order. We come into a second position. Not less, but second position. First position, second position. We are inheritors. Men and women are inheritors as sons of God. We've been brought into a first. Now, you on the edge of suicide may not have heard that you are in a first position or can be in a first position through coming to the Lord. So I'm telling you right now, God wants not to only make you a son of God. He wants you to rule with him. And that's reflected in the Bible. But you have to get good teaching and the best teacher is the Holy Spirit. Reading, reading from multiple versions, going back to the original language and understanding what we're saying there. But good, solid reading will begin to lay a hold for you. But the biggest and most important thing you can do right now is talk to God in your raw honesty. However you talk to a friend, you talk to God. Say, I feel like, and I'm not a person who curses, so you may curse because that's what your language is, I feel messed up. You know what word another person would use. And you just lay it out. God, I need you. I need you. I need to know you're real. I can't deal with my life the way it is. You know, I have no money. My wife left me. My kids don't like me. They hate me. I'd rather drink than talk right now. But I know after I drink, I become this horrible person and I just want to kill myself. So what am I going to do? I need you to be real to me. God honors that. Just as God honors you listening right now and saying, you know what? I need to do something. I can't keep going the way I am. I don't have any more willpower. God is here for you. And he is the only one who can make your future possible, your your destiny possible, your identity possible, but he does it with you, not without you. That being said, you take the steps forward and you move forward to him, towards him. As you're moving forward towards him, he's running to you. He's not dilly-dallying. He's not distracted by someone else. He's running to you, to hold you, to hug you, to call you his son, to kiss you, to tell you he's going to make you a king and a priest, to tell you that you're the bride of Christ. And that to you have a destiny. Don't give up, but I say surrender to God. The difference here with with my story, and, and I and I want I want to shine a light on this because I know there's just I'm I'm getting a feeling that there's a contingent of people that are gonna be listening to this that um 
deal with the chemical imbalance in their head. Mm. Uh, bipolar, mania, that kind of thing. Um, that's very real, too. It's Our human bodies are not perfect. They are flawed. So yes. mm-hmm. that is very much a thing. And um, out of that is born anxiety. It was... exploited by the enemy that chemical imbalance that proneness to anxiety and to fear and the the easy window was open let me tell you something like edgar said when you're when you move towards god God run towards runs towards you and, and is and, and wants to meet you where you are. Um and that's exactly what he did. It's not a it's not a a magical um journey that just automatically ends and all of a sudden you're fine. Um I still have chemical imbalances, I still um you know all all of those things. So it's it's not just because we talk about peace and just because we talk about the um, the longing that God has for us to take up our identities doesn't mean that we're not still part of the human condition. We are still very part of the human condition. Um, and that's that's and it was at that point where I started doing things like I reached back out to um, a mentor to the both of us, a friend, and, and I started making amends with people that I that I hadn't talk to in 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 years at that point um and and started taking an active approach to changing the circumstances because the the thing i want to that i want to um really convey is that we're not discrediting the fact that we that there are things like um like those chemical imbalances like like you know clinical depression and bipolar and all Mm -hmm. of those kinds of things but there tends to be a stoppage of the conversation at that point because people that fight back against choose joy i fight back against choose joy however that's usually where the conversation ends and there's no more, more no more emphasis put on well what steps can i do to start changing the circumstances, to start fighting back against the idea of these aspects of the human condition being exploited. Right. I think you touched on a very important topic, which is not talked about, and and it's probably not understood, especially by the church and, and the pulpit. And I include... Uh, other church leaders like deacons and elders, uh, somebody has a bad attitude. We need to pray over them. Yeah, do pray, do pray, but you know, be a brother too. You know, yeah. find out what's going on in their lives. Maybe they'll find you to be a safe person. Says, you know what? I suffer from bipolar, and I suffer from schizophrenia. I suffer from manic depression. And I'll tell you right now, a lot of these situations I don't understand. So I would have to learn about it. Uh, but, but it doesn't be, require firsthand experience. And no, I'm sorry to interrupt is, you. But it does yeah. not require firsthand experience because if we're pulling back the curtain listeners, one of the first people that I turned to when I was in 
that hopeless space was Edgar because he was a safe person. He was a person that I knew I could talk to and I wasn't going to be judged for where I was, what I was struggling with and things like that. So I want the people to hear this that aren't in the shoes of, oh, well, I don't have this, so I can't speak to this. You don't need to have it in order to be a brother to somebody, in order to be a um, – in order to engage in, in, in fellowship and community in that kind of way. I'm smiling right now, and I know the listeners can't see that, because my next part, the clause was, you know, I don't know. And I started off with, I don't know about all this stuff. I don't have any understanding of it, but I can be a caring person. That I can be. So he's my parenthetical statement that went on for a couple paragraphs. Uh, <laughs> I'll get a call. Thank you, Jesus. It's going straight to voicemail. Uh, usually I do put this on Do Not Disturb. Um, that person will find out who they are later. <laughs> um, anyway, so, and it's okay. We're recording on a night that I know we normally don't do podcast. But that, you know, with, with, with the fallen system we live in, and I'm talking about the physical planet, the food that's supposed to be good for us, not being good for us, the medicines supposed to help that don't help. John 10.10 goes along with that, as well as what I spoke about, the demonic voices. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, came to give life, and life that is full and good. So we have somebody who's looking to rescue us and understands where we're coming from. Um, I did want to get to a couple of verses before we do run out of time that do speak about the hope that we have in in Jesus. And it's funny because the one you had started off with, oh, well, let me see. Let me back that up. I, I wound up, the one that you had started off with is, is so key to understanding that even though salvation started off in the garden, the plan was spoken of, I should say it's probably before that, from the foundations of the world, but through the the physical birth of Jesus, the announcement came out to the world, God is among us. And that is a cause for celebration because we're going to be rescued. Who are we going to be rescued from? Ourselves as well. We're going to be rescued from this fallen system, from the people who are always against us, from the demonic realm, from the planet that has born itself thistles and briars and thorns just to make our daily road difficult. We are headed as believers to a new world that God is going to recreate for us as it was intended in the beginning. And he's going to dwell among us. And there's not going to be any sorrow, any reason to take your life, but constant celebration and joy and being with the one individual who loves you beyond everyone on the planet, God himself. So I rejoice in that. And in Jeremiah, he says, and I say this to you, listeners, I say this because I know the plans that I have for you, God says. This message is from the Lord. I have good plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope in the future. 
Isaiah 55:11 says, "In the same way my words leave my mouth." This is God speaking, and they don't come back without results. My words make the things happen that I want to happen. They succeed in doing what I send them to do. Jesus was known as the Word. He came out and he sought those who were lost and he died for them. So we don't have to die for ourselves. We can give hope a chance by coming into that relationship. And what we'll find out is that we'll figure it out through the Holy Spirit how to give that hope to other people. And then they'll give it to other people. And then pretty soon we have the real gospel spreading out where it's about loving one another and destroying the works of the enemy. But first and foremost, honoring God the Father who has given us this hope. And it's it's important to say to Christians, we are um, just as susceptible as anybody to fall into the doctrine of this of this time, that the world's doctrine of this time, of overindulgence and shopping, spending, and everything else, um, and and a perversion of the reason for the season so to speak and the idea of fellowship and, and the going to church being about the wrong thing and things like that we like we've talked about are called to a different identity a different identity of the, the than than a summation of our mistakes or what the world has to say about who and what we are we are um children of god we are beloved um, in the eyes of the Father, and and we have a hope in the victory of Christ. Now it is our responsibility. It is not a it is not a a, a, a light statement. It is our God ordained responsibility to spread that hope, mm, yes. spread that victory, to let other people know that our identity is in Him. That Amen. our worth is in him. It is not our own shortcomings because we're all we're all there. We're all we all have shortcomings. They just look different. Different mm-hmm. people's shortcomings look different. Yes. Yeah. Amen to that. Now I did want to speak to one small subset of people that I'm gonna say it's a counter, it's a thought counter thought kind of thing. Um and, and and this is also going for the people who speak this against them. Some people would suggest that if a person is really born again, who has experienced God's grace, who is, really has faith, that person wouldn't commit suicide. That by no means is something that I would agree with because even in my own situation, I had a relationship with the Lord. It could have gone further, but it met all the criteria. But the thing is, when when you have a thought like that, if I took out suicide, so a person who's really born again, has God's grace, who really has faith, they would never sin. You know, there's this thing where a perfected life 
is is what's coming out. Well, if you really love God, you wouldn't do that. Uh, but we know that people do go through a progression of stepping away from sin. And there has to be active participation and direction in that. But if you're struggling with it and you've had somebody say, well, you're not really a Christian, you know, you need to get saved. But you've been praying all this time. You've been asking God for help and it hasn't worked. Maybe you need to get out of that situation where you're, you're hearing these people. But I would say, first and foremost, speak to God. Tell him, I don't have a support system in the church. I can't trust the body of Christ. I need help. And take the take the path that he gives you. Uh, be very careful because there are sheep and wolves clothing. And there are people who would say, you know, I'm going to love you and we're going to help you. But what they do is they ensnare you into doing things that the Bible says not to do. All this being said, you know, all this to say is that value your relationship with God above all, even if you're at the point where it looks like you have no faith at all. Because it's that little bit, that little mustard seed that will grow into the tree and get you through there. Value it. Guard it. Don't let it die. And you will make it through because God is faithful to you. He is faithful to you. He's not going to give up on you. Do not let that seed die. That is your one job. Do not let that seed die. God will honor you for it. His word will not return void. We are meant to and created for a community. Amen. We are designed in a way where our best selves are when we are engaged and when we are um, plugged into a a group and so listeners if you find yourself this season without that community and now that can look differently then then i would say try to find a, a safe spot where you will be welcomed and you're not going to be told what you would and would not do just because of some circumstance Mm-hmm. Um, and and I say that that can look differently because, like you said, you can have people around you and still not be a part of the community. You right. can be counseled in in all of the wrong ways, um, regardless of how many people are are around you. There is a very I'm going to use the term three dimensional aspect to the human condition and it's deeper than a lot of people give it credit for it is harder than a lot of people give it credit for and regardless of whatever somebody has to say having that emotion and struggling in the human condition does not mean that you're less than does not mean that um you are you are not good enough of a Christian um, just because you're struggling. And that's because because here's the thing. If it did, then that in, then that means that you had to work that you have to work for it. If it meant that you're not a good enough Christian, then that means that your blood is required. And by that, by saying that devalues the blood of Jesus. Yes. 
I want to give two examples, if I, I can. I'm kind of trying to figure out which one do I give first. I don't know. But I'm going to start off with, with Paul. Uh, for those who are not familiar with Paul, seeing uh, the books of the New Testament, there's also a pitch, and I could be wrong on the 13, but I don't think I am. So you can fact check me. But it still holds up regardless. Hebrews is also attributed to him, though it's not certain. Uh, in in 2 Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthian church, in verse 8, excuse me, 1, uh, verses 8 through 10, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, uh, he says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the trouble, trouble we suffered in Asia. We had great burdens there, burdens there, which were greater than our own strength. We had even gave up hope for life. In fact, it seems like God has been telling us we're going to die. But this is so that we will not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises people from death. He saved us from these great dangers of death, and he will continue to save us. We feel sure he will always save us. Paul was a great man of faith, and yet he despaired. And it was for a season. I can't tell you how long it was, but he persevered. And, uh, and God blessed him. God blessed him with a great ministry. Uh, and it was a ministry that cost him everything because he was not a good man. Uh, but that's for another episode, maybe. But what I would say is you read it. You read about Paul's life. And you may say, you know what? I get this guy. I do. The other person is Job. Your words may be familiar with him, and I'm going to give you from Job 6, 1 through 9. I wish my suffering could be weighed and all my trouble put on the scales. They would be heavier than all the sand of the sea. That is my why my words are so crazy. God all-powerful has shot me with his arrows. My spirit feels their poison. God's terrible weapons are lined up against me. Even a wild donkey does not complain when it has grass to eat. And a cow is quiet when it has food. Food without salt does not taste good. The white of an egg has no taste. I refuse to touch that kind of food. It makes me sick. I wish I could have what I asked for. I wish God would give me what I want. I wish he would crush me and just go ahead and kill me. Joe was probably among one of the most tortured, if not the most tortured, aside from Christ, beings on the planet. He suffered greatly and at a level that Jesus didn't have to because he lost children, 10 of them. That's his backstory. I don't want to go too much into it, but he suffered a lot. But if you read the last chapter of Job, he comes out of there because he held on to God with far more than he went into his time of turmoil. If you're in a time of turmoil and you stay with God, you will come out with far more than what you went in. You will have strength of character. You will have identity. You will have influence because you will be authentic. Job lost a lot of his inauthenticness, if that's a word. I'm not sure. But he lost it. 
he realized that he was judgmental towards God because he challenged God. And we find that out, I think it's in Job 37. Uh, so he challenged him. And this is what happens when the soul starts to, to suffer and expect and, lose, and be stripped of the expectation of a wonderful life, knowing that you're not guaranteed things. It's trying to say, wait a minute. The only thing I want is God. And the only way I can get that is by surrender. I've got to surrender to get the one thing I want, which is God. So the challenges with Paul and Job is to persevere and push through. And as I said earlier, keep that seed alive. That's your one job. Keep that seed alive. I mean, I remember I... seed. <laughs> Seriously, remember that it that that the faith, the size of a seed, can move mountains and change the world. Mhm. It it does not take an ocean worth of faith, and I think sometimes it feels like it needs to. That you need this immense amount of solid ground. To to feel like to be able to feel like you are um, secure, and that's that's not that's not the truth. I want to close off with a with one more thing. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen. That, my friends, is the reason for the season. So to speak, that is why we can look past the broken human condition, why we can look past what we think should be our identity and embrace the identity of the one who created everything, the identity that he has for us, what he says about us, beloved child of God. That, my friends, is your identity if you are in Christ. And I want you to remember that. Reflect on that and meditate on that. Because Prince of Peace is more than just just a title. We see this is a depiction of how he rules. How he rules his kingdom. It's not, people think of Jesus like he has to fight. We talk about the, how the fight is won. No, he humiliates his enemies because there is, no, there is no fight. There is no opposition. None shall stand against. And so whether you do or don't have an extension of... Um, I'm going to use the word mental illness in a very 
catch-all kind of way. Whether you do or you don't, whether you've seen heartache or you haven't, whether you've you've actually tried to kill yourself or you haven't, regardless of any of it, we are all on the same the same level ground in Christ. He is the one that levels the playing field. And so if you are one of those people that find yourself in a weary state, you find yourself downtrodden, you find yourself beaten down, remember that the greatest advocate you will ever have is the one that cheat the reaper the one that beat sin and death he is the one that is our advocate he is the one that fights our battles he is the one where we get our strength and our hope and our identity so listeners take that with you Year-round. Take the actual doctrine, not the doctrine of self-indulgence, not the doctrine of more money equals more love, not the doctrine of capitalism Christmas, not any of that, not, not the voices that say that you're not good enough. All of that is crushed under the foot of the Savior. The one who is bigger than any of it. That's the victory. That's Mm. that that victory we talk about that should be blaring from your spirit. It's not because we have done something. It is because we are loved by the one who has done something. So with that... Um, I want to, I want to thank everybody that stuck through the technical difficulties and, um, the weightiness of this, of this episode. Um, if, if we spoke to you in your present time of need and you need, um, and, and, and you will find yourself in that, um, that category of people that are suffering this season um reach out reach out to 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 loved ones reach out to the people around you because trust me you are more loved and more cherished than you could ever imagine um if we didn't speak to you then still hear us because there's somebody around you, the likelihood, the numbers, the statistics speak to the fact that there's most likely a person around you that is, that that would fall under this category. Can I offer um, a resource that I think might be valuable? Absolutely. There is a national suicide prevention hotline where you can call, especially if you're in dire straits and have no one. Don't rely on willpower. It's a trick the enemy uses. Call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-TALK, and talk is 8255. So and it's that's 1-800- also going to be in the 
um, the show description will have the link for the uh, for the uh, National Suicide Prevent- uh, Prevention Hotline. Okay, and then you can also go online to www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Suicide Prevention Lifeline is all one word. There are no dashes or underscores in there. Um, so again, that's www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Your life has value. You have one job coming out of this. Keep that seed alive. Yes. Yes. May go ahead and wrap us up um, in prayer. Father, I thank you for the greatest blessing ever known to man. The sending of your son, the king that was born in the poorest place in the among animals. Um, Father, I, I thank you that um, you you loved us so much that you made such a sacrifice for us. And Father, I, I pray for anybody hearing my voice right now that they understand that gift of love that has been given to us and that they understand that God show everybody listening the identity that is found in you, their identity that is found in something beyond our present circumstances. Father, I thank you for the hope that we have when the world says it's hopeless, that we can have strength and we can have power when we are strengthless and powerless because our strength does not come from our own from our own state it comes from you and i thank you for that father i pray blessing over every single person hearing my voice right now father bless them with the knowledge that they are loved and that they are cherished beyond measure beyond what words can give justice father i Mm. thank you that you are with us that you are for us and not against us. I thank you that we have a lifeline when we feel like that there is nothing else. Father, I pray for anybody hurting. I pray for anybody that might be contemplating taking their own life. I pray for anybody who is struggling, Father, Intervene, I pray your blood over them, and I pray that there is a radical intervention, Father. I thank you that we are not stuck relying on ourselves, that we are not some of our mistakes. Yes. I thank you, Father, that you intervene when we need it most. And I thank you, Father, for the ability to be able to celebrate the real meaning of this season. I thank you, Father, for all that you are, 
all that you do. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through this season, that you may show more of yourself to all of us, every every one of us, Father, that we may get to know you more, know the character of you, know what you say of us. I thank you, Father, in the name of your heavenly Son, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.